We are almost there this Sunday. Today I will speak on the first half of verse 11. Next Sunday, the second half. And I'll be off to Korea. And that following Sunday, um, uh, Pastor Lloyd will come and bring God's word to you. But it has been my joy to prepare past few weeks on these verses. God has shown me uh, new things, new horizons in, in these verses, the complete package of Christian life. We will live our lives, rest of our lives, within these verses. And let's go to verse 11. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. According to verse 11, first half, Christian life is about bearing fruit of righteousness for Christ and His kingdom. That's what your life is all about. That's what it should be. That's what I want it to be. Fruit-bearing life. That's what I am going to talk about. Fruit-bearing fruit of righteousness. This week, I was in... Willow Groves, Pennsylvania. That's basically about 10-15 minutes away from Philadelphia. But that's where OPC uh, administration building is. I've been there about some 10 years ago when Dick Garber was serving there. But I went to participate in this continuing education for the ministers and elders and even lay people within the OPC uh, studying for three days with Dr. Chad Van Dixhorn. In fact, the class that I was in, we met in his house, not at the office. It was scheduled originally from uh, to be at the office, but uh, he hosted it. Um, it was a great experience, and we've heard some of the behind-the-scenes uh, stories, how he wrote, again, on the minutes of the Westminster Assembly. I mean, it was just amazing. It was almost, almost like heaven. <laughs> Each night, uh, dinner was hosted at his house, and another class joined uh, I had this time of fellowship with other ministers and elders from really all over the United States. I've met some great men of God. And once again, I was struck by how, how we, within the OPC, we have some able and faithful ministers. I mean, it was just an exciting time to get to know some people. His house, Dr. Van Dixon's house, was very near to a place about 10 minutes away from a city where first two of my children were born, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. 
and it was right around the corner from King of Prussia. That's the name of the city, King of Prussia, where in our early marriage, um, we as a family we used to go there every you know whenever we had free time uh, in the mall, King of Prussia, and we were about twenty minutes away from that place. So that was the whole whole experience. Um, I met a couple of my ex-colleagues. Um, one you know, Ryan, who was here last December. Uh, by the grace of God, he will graduate next week from Westminster, and he will move to Denver for a full-time position. Uh, continue to pray for him. He was very much discouraged back then when he visited us. But God has opened up a door for him in a great church, a PCA church in, in Denver. And he will go all the way to ordination in the fall. So I met him. I mean, it was a great fellowship time, even with him and another guy. And as I was just dropping him off at the Westminster Seminary, I asked him, I, don't, I wonder if Dr. David Briones would be in the office. He was my um, advisor as I was doing my deeming paper with Ligonier back in 2014-15. Uh, At the time he was with the Ligonier Ministries, Reformation Bible College, but afterwards he came up to Westminster to be a professor, but I've never seen him in face. I've done some video chat as we were doing working on my thesis, so I was able to see him. Um, And that got me thinking. All of these things got me thinking. 2002, I went to Westminster, and now it is 2022. Exactly 20 years. Since I stepped on that campus, uh, and the same year, within the same year, I got married, uh, the home nearby, my two children born, being born right there, 10 minutes away. All of that, just walking on the campus again. So I've been thinking about my life, just 20 years. 20 years had gone by so fast. And if I had 20 plus again into my age, I would be in um, rather old age. So that all of that got me thinking because I knew while I was in that, that meeting, I woke up very early in the morning to prepare a sermon for this Sunday. I knew I was going to talk about the fruit. So he gave me an ample opportunity and a right setting to reflect upon my life past 20 years. And I'm telling you, it was not, it was not, I wasn't, I was not encouraged. Fruit. Verse 9 and 10, all of that love and knowledge, discernment, approving the excellent things, remaining sincere or blameless until the day of Christ, all of that is not visible. But when you come to verse 11, here is your grade, report card. You cannot, you cannot skip this. You cannot forever say, I, my love is increasing. 
But at the end of the day, in verse 11, Christ will demand from you, I have given you two talents, five talents, ten talents. I want to see some fruit in your life. So as I was reflecting upon my past 20 years, I thought I've done my best. I thought I, I, thought I remained faithful. But really, I, I didn't have anything to show forth. But one thing is sure from these texts. In order for us to bear fruit, which is visible, verse 9 and 10, has, they have to be there. I went to Ligonier Ministries 2011, just reminding me of that. Why did I go to that Ligonier to do my you know, continuing education there? Because I've heard a sermon by Steve Lawson. 2010, I looked it up. 2010, he preached from Job 1, The Invisible War. I've listened to it online in 2010, and I knew I wanted to go and study. I mean, really not for a long time, but for just a couple of sessions, if Steve Lawson's teaching, I am going to be there. Just as he said, he wanted to be on the Dr. Archie Sproul when he did Demon. And he went to Jackson, Mississippi in RTS. I felt the same way. I thought, you know, I want to go find this guy. Not, not Arsis Pro. He's not my favorite. So wherever Steve Lawson is, I'm going to go and, 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 and study under him at least to see him. That's why I went. That invisible war. So that's exactly what is happening. If we assess our lives honestly, and nobody could escape from verse 11... Are you bearing fruit? Why aren't you bearing fruit? Then if you ask that, probably what we have to do is to check up on verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10, that's where the war is fought. That's the invisible war. Yes, you could do verse 9 and 10 faithfully all day, every day, yet not be able to bear fruit. Because it is really God's sovereign grace. But if verse 9 and 10 is not being fought, Within you, we shouldn't expect anything in verse 11. So let's think about that carefully. Let us assess honestly. When you think about Christian life as fruit-bearing process, I think that's the right way to think about Christian life, sanctification, but entire Christian life. You could be busy, but where's the fruit? You could have this daily communion with God, but where is the fruit? Uh, You could do all of the activities, but where is the fruit? So fruit is a good way to examine our lives. I'm going to talk about a few things from this verse. It says, having been filled with the fruit. Having been filled. That's a difficult, difficult language. Having been filled. That's perfect passive participle. I I love this kind of stuff, as you know. Rest of the translations will say being filled, but only NASB and this LSB, which is the, uh, you know, improvement upon NASB, and take one, if you haven't gotten one, I brought the box. Having been filled with, what does that mean? Being filled is preoccupied with present. 
You get nervous if you don't see the fruit. But having been, that has happened in the past. It had happened, and it is affecting still now. It is still bearing fruit. So I believe the sense is there is some kind of sense of confidence. If you are a true faithful Christian, fruit bearing is a foregone conclusion. It should happen. It must happen. And as you look back your lives, there must be some fruit. So having been, it had started a long time ago. It may not be a tiny one. It may not be a lot. But there is something. So, so have that comfort or confidence. Having been filled. But I want to talk about the word filled. I looked it up. And that's the same word that you would find in many various passages of in the New Testament about being filled with the Holy Spirit. The idea and the picture is what? The cup almost overflowing. It is filled to the brim. It is about to overflow is the picture. So picture here is, imagine a tree, but the fruit, there are just so many, let's say apples. There's in the apple tree, in an apple tree, there are so many of them. So many of them. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness. As I said, this week I was able to reflect upon my life. And to be honest, I was very much discouraged. Uh, There's nothing to show forth to our God. Uh, So I was crushed a bit. But as I was meditating upon this. It also gave me hope in this sense. If this is the picture, if this is what Paul is praying for the Philippians, then it must be the case that this is the picture that God wants me to have. If I haven't already attained it, there's still ample opportunity as I do verse 9 and 10 faithfully. If God has mercy upon you and me in our lives, Maybe it hasn't finished yet. But at the end of our lives, we could look back and say, yes, there are some fruit that I have uh, borne for Christ. So toward the end, I actually felt encouraged. Not by looking verse 11 as current picture of my life or your life. But still, that's the picture, and I would put that into my, 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 uh, you know, my, in, in front of my eyes, and I would see it, and I'll pray about it, and may God have great mercy upon all of us so that we could bear much fruit. And that's the idea. Filled, overflowing. Sometimes we, in the uh, conservative, Church, we say, you know, it's all about purity and faithfulness. That's, yes, that's true. But let me read you a verse from John 15. This is Jesus speaking. My Father is glorified by this. By what? That you bear much fruit. Not little fruit, but much. I looked it up. There is that word. Plurality, great quantity. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear 
much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. It's humbling. It hurts. Because where we know where our lives are. It should be this way. So we pray. That being filled. Now let's move on to this fruit of righteousness. Fruit is visible. It is helpful. It is, it, it is fragrant. Uh, it fills hunger. And it benefits other people. You can talk about all of that. But right, fruit of righteousness. It is a concept, an abstract concept, so it's difficult to grasp. What does that mean? Fruit of righteousness. What are we talking about? When we talk about fruit, usually what we have in mind is fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of that is really internal. As Spirit abides in us, those qualities will be seen. But here, fruit of righteousness is really external. In this sense, holiness, I'm going to make this short, Voss says this, what's the difference between holiness and righteousness of God? It kind of, it sounds the same. He says, once again, holiness is his internal disposition. On the other hand, righteousness is the attribute of God's being that compels him to make his holiness a power outside of himself. You see, if the holiness describes the internal being in the attribute of God, righteousness of God is what that holy God would do to the outside of himself. Righteous character of God. So that one, one, one commentator says this, and I think he's absolutely right. So the fruit here, fruit of righteousness is, in this interpretation, righteousness has an ethical sense and refers to Righteous behavior. These are people whose lives are filled with the fruit of attitudes and actions that reflect the attitudes and actions of Christ. That kind of fruit is defined as righteousness. What it is saying, and what I want to communicate to you is, fruit of righteousness really is not simply something that I bear internally, but externally. And one passage that I wanted to talk about, what I, I will not, is how Phinehas dealt with that idolater. One time God said, Israelites camping in the wilderness, they're hanging out with Gentiles and bringing and mixing together in the wilderness. And God said, I'm going to kill all the leaders. And while people are weeping because they just heard the execution, the death sentence from God, Everybody's crying. One young man brings a woman from Gentile tribe and, and they, she, he would bring her into that camp. Why are people are crying and repenting? And they go into the tent and to do the, to the wicked things. And Phinehas, who is the grandson of Aaron, he goes in. You know what happens? He kills them both. And God makes covenant of peace with that man and his generation, his, his seed. Obviously, we cannot directly apply that. But we could think about righteous character that is so needed in this generation. It takes faith, 
courage, and all of that to bear such fruit. This fruit, once it becomes the fruit and you plant the seed and it goes on, it will outlast all of you. Your life on earth will be what? 60, 70, 80, 90 years. But as you faithfully bear fruit for Christ, those fruit will outlast you. Today's Mother's Day, I'm not talking about mother's things, but mothers are often discouraged. They are home, at home, oftentimes, doing all of that, no appreciation, there's nothing much going on. But in those times, I want you to remember that all of our children that God has given you, that's your field, harvest field. Maybe it is the case that, that your entire life will be spent not in the limelight, but in the corners of your houses, reading Bible with your children, singing songs, hymns with your children, uh, practicing Christian life and godliness to your children. Just as some of the ministers think about Spurgeon, when and how was he converted? He wanted to go a certain place at night when he was teens. There was a snowstorm, the snowstorm, so the, the intended preacher couldn't come. So someone from the congregation read from the scripture on that snowy day, and he was converted. And he wanted to find out who that man was when, after he became the minister, the big minister. He couldn't find that person. Not the expert preacher, but from congregation, it snowed in, so the preacher couldn't come. So he goes up, opens up a passage, and reads. And that, maybe, entire life, that man's life was about that moment, maybe. Do you know who John Owen is? I've referred to him a few times. He, he would live through that Westminster Assembly time, a bit young, so he's not in the assembly. But he is the greatest mind I've ever encountered. He tops everyone, in my mind, in my humble opinion. He, too, wanted to hear the great preacher at the time in London. Same thing had happened. Intended preacher couldn't come, so another preacher came. We don't know who that was, but he was converted. He was, John Owen was converted. Same thing, same story. That nameless man. That nameless man in Spurgeon's life. You know, I'm thinking, maybe, I don't know what God's intention is for our church. But if our lives are spent... In bearing that kind of fruit, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a great story? Your children, or your ch children, covenant children in this community, someone you said hi to in this congregation, some passing remarks that you really didn't think about, but sometimes those words just penetrate and get stuck. I could say 10,000 words today, but it might be that one word. You know, I spent, I mean, Van Dixhorn, I'm, I'm sitting right next to him for three days, two, two and a half days. I've listened to all that he has said. When the last day, last class was held in the OPC building, 
So to the end, I ask a few questions, very general questions. Nothing scholarly, I just said. Do you have any suggestions or how do you read the confession? Is there some kind of model that I could follow? Some, how do you do this? And he had a passing remark. Nothing about the confession. But he said this. You know, I have to admit at this age that I, as much as I read, I would forget. And I read not to gain so much information, but he said along the line in this way, he said, I read to become more wise. It was one of those passing remarks. That was the greatest gain for me. But that passing remark, I'm telling you, that has set me free. He has seen my own notes, 153 pages from his books. 153 pages of notes here. He said, oh, you're taking a lot of notes. I said, yeah, because I don't want to forget. But even as much as I try, we may forget. But in the end, we trust God will accumulate all of those to bear fruit, just to be wise, a bit wiser. I don't have to be too stressed out. So, bearing fruit, prayer by I'm going to have one last comment about something that I've noticed yesterday. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I, this morning I preached at Franklin Square. I've given them verse 9 and 10 and 11, all of that in one setting. Uh, so yesterday I was done with all of that and 11 p.m. I was just thinking about one verse, this same verse, and thought came to my mind. From time to time, God does that. From 11 p.m. And one of the things that I've noticed was this. I always wondered, why would Paul would say a singular word with the fruit of righteousness? Not the fruits. Galatians 5.22, same thing. Fruit of the Spirit is singular. Fruit and is, and all of that. Why? I've heard and read commentators saying a few whatever things different. But thought came to me yesterday. I know, 11.04. I was thinking about that fruit. Why is that fruit? And thought came. What if Paul was thinking about the fruit in the garden? I don't know. Maybe. Biblical theology, I don't know. So I went, Genesis, went to Genesis 3. And I looked it up, not in Hebrew, not in English, but in Greek. But there's a Greek translation, the Septuagint, LXX. That was the Bible for the apostles and Jesus. That's what people read. Interesting thing I've noticed in Genesis 3. Listen to what the serpent says to the woman in 3.1. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any Tree in the garden. You think you were, you were here. You shall not eat any of fruit in the garden. But actually serpent says you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Tree. You don't eat tree. But the word is tree. Hmm. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent. 
We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. That's singular. Same Greek word, kapos, in singular here. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit, in singular, the same word, of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Verse 6, after the deception, this is what verse 6 says. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. You see that? There's some kind of... The woman saw that not the fruit was good for food, but the tree was good for food. There was delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit in singular and ate it. So my conclusion yesterday was this. Eve didn't eat ten apples. It's not an apple tree. It's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. She didn't eat 20 of them and, and fell down because she ate too much. The emphasis, whatever's going on with the tree and fruit in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it is singular. She ate one. That's it. That's the grammatical translation of it. What does that tell me? What does that tell you? It took only one act of disobedience. He did, she didn't have to eat 100 apples or 100 fruits to consume it, to be condemned. I believe that emphasis really is that one act of disobedience. One apple, one tree, one fruit. That's it. Not apple, but one fruit. If Paul is emphasizing, if Paul is thinking about that, I don't know if that's the case. But also in comparison to that, he is emphasizing one act of Christ's sacrifice. As you see in the book of Hebrews. Once for all, when he offered up himself, once for all, he entered the holy place. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Non-repeatable, complete satisfaction. It is finished, nothing to add. Full satisfaction of God's wrath and fruit-bearing. That's why he says, I think he says, with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ. That's my interpretation. Take it or leave it, but I thought it was a good one. <laughs> um, day of Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Yes, it is the agent of the Holy Spirit. Yes. But all that the Holy Spirit applies to us is the redemption purchased by Christ. His sacrifice. His death. His sufferings. His resurrection. He applies to us. Therefore, there is no fruit in our lives apart from Christ. He is our head. He's the enabler. He's the one who sends His Spirit, Spirit of Christ, to sanctify us. And in this case, to help us bear fruit for His kingdom. That righteous fruit. So, I pray that God will give you such grace that you will bear much fruit for Christ 
and His kingdom through the continual supply of the sanctifying Spirit of Christ. That fruit will outlive you, outlast us. That's what our lives are all about. Fruit-bearing. May God bless you with much fruit for His glory. Let's pray.